Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we're going to be looking at food and famine. We've been covering the teachings of Hippolytus, and what we want to look at today, because I know the questions would arise, and I'm trying to bring some biblical principles to bear on how do we wisely prepare for all of this. It's a natural question that arises. And I gave you three reasons why we could have serious food shortages in our last episode. That was episode 244. This is episode 245. I guess the first question to ask is, is it Christian to prepare for food uncertainties? Isn't that hoarding? No, it isn't, actually. If you want to see hoarding, go to Florida when there's a serious hurricane warning. Go to the market and you will see hoarding. And sometimes people can get rather nasty grabbing the same items in certain sections of the grocery market when they know a major storm is on the way. You want to see hoarding, look at people coming out of Costco before they put limits on the gigantic things of toilet paper and paper towel that you could buy. That's hoarding, waiting till there's an emergency and grabbing all you can, maybe even beyond your needs. Preparing isn't hoarding. Preparing is a very reasonable biblical concept. Uh, The best example in the Bible, of course, is Joseph, the patriarch in the Old Testament. God gave him a dream, and he said, there's going to be seven great years, kind of like the stock market's going to be roaring, Joseph. The wheat harvest is just going to be soaring. There's going to be abundance of food, so just go to the mall and spend everything you have. No, using the good times and setting aside some of the good times to prepare for the seven years of bad times. That was God's direction. I don't know if you remember, but in the early, early church, there was a prophecy given by the prophet Agabus in Acts chapter 11 that he said, by the Spirit, he predicted a great famine coming over the Roman Empire, and the early church took action. A lot of Paul's collections that you read about in various parts of the New Testament and his epistles, they were taking up collections because of that famine. So I'm going to recommend that you take a really radical step. People are gonna think I'm a wide-eyed nutcase for mentioning something so radical, but here's my first recommendation. You should provide food for your family the way your grandparents did. Or, if you're a little older, maybe the way your great-grandparents did. They would think you're kind of silly for not having a garden. Talk to your grandparents or great-grandparents who lived through World War II. Everybody had victory gardens. If you were patriotic, you realized we needed food to send to our soldiers and sailors and airmen overseas. So we grew our own food at home. We had these things in all of our homes called pantries, and then we simply rotated things. We knew how to do canning. We had root cellars. And if we were really radical, We might have had a few chickens running around the backyard. That's my recommendation, number one. Just simply return to the common sense way of life. 
our grand- grandparents and great-grandparents did. You know, we just had a scare here in the southeast. I remember one night coming home about 9 o'clock uh, from Greenville. I listened to the radio, and because of this uh, Bitcoin uh, cyber attack on the gas thing in the southeast, I thought, oh, boy, well, I better um, go get gas. I dropped my wife Karen off at home, and by 9.15, there were lines a block, two blocks long at gas stations. So the idea is you prepare your provisions the way your grandparents did so you don't have to butt elbows with other people who haven't prepared, okay? My recommendation number two, this is also very radical, become a normal human. Now, I'm going to assert, and I'm putting myself right in this, we are living in a highly abnormal world, and we are abnormal humans. Now, do you want to know what's normal? And it probably bears repeating because we're so abnormal, we might have lost touch. Normalcy is revealed in Genesis 2.15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. God's purpose for people included work, tending the garden, and the garden wasn't a result of sin. Sin didn't come till Genesis 3. This is Genesis 2. And tending a garden in paradise uh, was God's normal way of life. A lot of people think, well, you know, what will the new heavens and new earth be like? Kind of like uh, a Florida retirement village where you play shuffleboard and go swimming and basically lay back and really don't do much. No, there's going to be work in the new heavens and the new earth. We'll be on a new earth. There'll be real things here. This is the normal way to live. Now, here's how weird we have become. See, if you're a gardener, and I'm saying I think this this is a pretty wide description of human beings. And when you become detached from the earth, and I'm not, you know, kind of like a new age tree hugger, but I do know in having studied counseling that you can take a group of people in group therapy and work with a counselor and help them through their problems. And I've seen you can take that same group of people and have them work together in a greenhouse or in horticulture and have the same positive results just by getting in touch with plants and getting their fingers in the dirt a little bit. See, that's normal. And part of that normalcy is being a producer, not a consumer. But most of us in the United States are now simply consumers of food. We don't produce food and the normal way of life for the entire history of the world starting in the Garden of Eden, where there's no fall, was working and tilling the garden. And now we've reached the penultimate degree of an abnormal view of food. I call, I, I call ourselves, and I put myself in this category, techno-consumers. We get our food from a smartphone. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I still think it was crazy, but I, you know, did this thing online, ordered some food, went over a big box store and flipped open the hatch of my SUV and they put food in. And I'm thinking, 
I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things could go wrong in these steps. This isn't the way that God created things. And what happens if there's a breakdown in any one of those steps? Um, and have we detached ourselves a bit from the way we should be? Just saying, I think gardening is a great thing. It's a great thing for children. It's a great thing for families. And if you're stressed, believe me, horticulture is tremendous. Gardening is tremendous because it's returning to our roots, okay? That was recommendation number two, become a normal human through gardening. And I really think there's something to this, but I'm moving on to recommendation number three. Pay very close attention to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. This is Jesus speaking, and he's giving very specific advice for the times of tribulation. He says this, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, on Luke 21, we have gone through extensively the prophet Daniel, and how Antiochus Epiphanes, this Old Testament antichrist-type figure, was first referenced as causing the abomination that makes desolate. And then a second time, Jesus is referring to something here in Matthew 24 of what happened in Jerusalem in 70 AD. In other words, History was going to repeat itself, and now the Romans are going to cause another abomination of desolation. Now, many Catholic scripture scholars stop there, saying, no, you don't understand. This is historical. I, I understand it is historical, but there's a minor point that we tend to overlook that this is twice historical, not one time, twice. So why can't you go a third time? And Pope Benedict XIII is a pretty bright guy, tended to think in the Gospels referring to events in the first century, the destruction of Jerusalem, as a lens for seeing things that would happen at the end of the world. So we pay a lot of attention to Matthew 24, 15. What did the people in Jerusalem do in the first century with the words of Jesus? Now, we do know that, according to the Jewish historian Josephus, that when the Romans came and conquered Jerusalem, approximately 1,100,000 Jews were murdered. Okay? It, uh, it wasn't a good outcome. It was one of the worst things to happen to the people ever. But what did the Christians do before the Romans began their attack? Well, in A.D. 66, the church historian Eusebius tells us that the early church received a prophecy. It was time to split from Jerusalem according to Jesus' teaching, Matthew 24, 15. And what they did, they took off to a city called Pella. It's a very ancient uh, city. It was about two and a half miles east of the Jordan River, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And the Christians— some Christians stayed there. In other words, when they left Jerusalem, they never came back. It was a nice place to live, and they stayed there. Others came back after the destruction of Jerusalem. But Pella, this place where 
people took Jesus's warnings and took off, uh, became the refuge, and they went there in AD 66 before the Romans did any of their work. Now, what was Pella like? Well, there was a, a strong, fresh spring in Pella. In other words, there's a lot of water, and we we're talking about wisely preparations. Water is always a priority. And I'm just going to throw out a couple of quickies. But, you know, here in Greenville, uh, they're offering a free clinic next month, giving you tools and a free 55-gallon water barrel so you can have a, a rain barrel. You can collect 55 gallons of water, and the whole class and everything is absolutely free. You might have one of these going on in, in your community. If you have a thing called a Berkey, you can Google that. You can collect rainwater and have 55 gallons of water, and very, very simple. You can have your own little Pella wherever you are. But Pella had a great growing season. How wonderful is that? It was mild winters, abundant water, and you had this spring, and it was, they said, one of the most wonderful places to live in the entire Jordan Valley because it was free of frost in the winter, and yet there was enough rain in the winter to have great spring crops. So how about that? One last thing to think about famine. How did the prodigal son decide to go home to his father's house? The famine brought the prodigal son back to his senses, and he came back because of hunger to his father's house. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 245 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.